Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. I'm ready to go on to part two and uh, Gemba walks and uh, container stacking and stories and leadership and alignment. Oh my! Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but, but but people might have missed the last one. They might not know how exciting it was. So so um, can I give a brief uh, precy of do. the previous episode? And and of course, link to the previous episode will be in the show notes. So last time we talked about two different stories, one famous and one from my consulting practice. The famous one that a lot of people might have read about is uh, a, a real revolution at the port of Long Beach where the, the main activity was that someone who was expert in this area went on a three-hour boat ride, noticed that uh, cranes weren't moving, trucks weren't moving, ships weren't moving, and observed that one of the main barriers was that all the containers were only stacked too high. And it turns out there's a limitation, which was raised uh, about eight hours later. So after he published this and made it um, a, a story that everyone knew, suddenly the story wasn't true anymore because the, the bureaucrats moved fast. Shocking. And my story was about a couple of folks who were arguing with each other vigorously and, and not agreeing on stuff they needed to do. And I said to one of them, you should do a ride along. You should create empathy and common stories with the other person. So you're not allowed to intervene and try to change it, which is what you're trying to do now. Just observe and ask why an awful lot in the same way that Ryan uh, asked why are those ships not moving? Why are those cranes not moving? Why are those trucks stuck? And uh, that had a very sal salubrious effect. So so then we were going to talk this week. Our follow-up was going to be on uh, what what is this this pattern here, this thing, and it's commonly known, and I'm sure you can say much more about this, Jeffrey, commonly known as a Gemba walk. What, what the heck is a Gemba walk? <laughs> well, I'll say, I, my understanding, my, my, I don't know the, the Japanese here, but like this comes out of um, Toyota. And I think my understanding is that the principle of Gemba is go and see. So if you are diagnosing a problem, um, you're supposed to go and observe. So you, this, the starting point is gathering data, gathering firsthand data. And this is the key thing that you are, you gather firsthand data by observing the actual things that are happening. The, the Gemba walk is something that they say more generally, um, to say that, you know, you, you as a um, manager should be out on the shop floor. You should be going in and observing, but the, the, so the, but the, the general uh, underlying principle here is you want to be making your decisions based on firsthand knowledge, firsthand experience. It's not enough to rely on what other people have said. Fantastic. And, and what, how's that um, valuable? What, what changes does that create and, and why, why did Toyota in institute that? Well, I think there's. I think the uh, part of the element is to, is to make sure that you're doing correct problem solving. Um, so, in getting into, do you un do you do you really understand what's actually happening on the ground? I think is the root of it. Um, I think we have in mind in this case uh, uh, something slightly different, perhaps perhaps the same, but definitely um, uh, related. The the angle that we're talking about here is the what happens when you've gone to see. And um, the, advantage, the power of having firsthand stories, because if we go back to that Ryan Peterson Twitter thread, um, he, he doesn't come out and start his Twitter thread by saying, you know, we should go in and, and change the container stacking. Instead, he starts by telling a story and, and, and painting the picture. And it makes it very easy for the people to go along and and. Uh, go be with there with them. Okay, we went around the, the 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 port, and there are hundreds of cranes, but no more than seven were moving while we were there for three hours, and and that kind of concrete uh, example 
really helps bring to life just how backlogged things are in a way that sort of statistics don't. Um, and so I think the, the point here is that having those firsthand stories are incredibly useful in building alignment about the problem and the fact that leadership, you know, that, 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 that we need to, to take action. That, the, what stood out to me was in Ryan's thread, he kind of ends it by, by saying, leadership is the missing ingredient at this point. You know, he says, you know, we, we understand what's happening in the port. We, here's a model. We, we know these things are happening. We have the facts. Now what we're missing is leadership and, and making it very clear that this is a solvable problem. And, and that to me is, is that the, the, always the biggest obstacle for uh, organizations in changing things and improving things is the belief that change and improvement is possible. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's the, the advantage I think I see here in um, this approach of, of being able to root things in stories from reality. And I had a client ask me a great question about leadership this week. She said, how, how can I be an inspiring leader? I've, I've seen them, but what could I do to be one? I thought that was a wonderful, challenging question. And I told her two things which match exactly to what you described. In fact, Jeffrey, I cited you oh. because uh, you, you turned up at the company we both worked at where I, I brought you over to England before you um, move move back to California. I brought you over and said, um, you know, here here's a, a role for you. Please um, be be the best Jeffrey you can be in that role. And the first thing you did that we all noticed was you told a lot of stories, and they went all the way back to your days at Borland, <laughs> Borland as a coder, you know, in the early 1990s, and what had worked and what didn't. And you had that few, the the two elements that I um, described to her. I said, uh, you, you need to have a future vision, you need to have a very clear picture of what the future could be like, and you need stories about that, uh, that you can tell in a compelling way. Um, in, in the container stacking case, it's the story of, uh, hey, what if um, actually these containers move if more than seven cranes were operating? That's the vision. And then you need stories uh, about the reality and about the actual situation. Uh, which people and 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 real experience, which then give people the concrete steps they can take to realize the future vision, and you did that really effectively with this with your stories of the past, and then you said things like, "Gee, maybe we could do this crazy thing called continuous deployment. What, how would that work?" <laughs> uh, and, and based on your experience, you knew that that was possible, and that I thought was a, a great example of the leader using the stories effectively based on the experience uh, to create alignment. That's great to hear back. I was, you know, this is uh, uh, part of the fun of doing the, the, the podcast and not knowing exactly what's going to come up. So great to hear that that uh, stood out to you. And, and I think it's, uh, it was effective and it was something I could do naturally because I've tapped into that experience as a way of setting um, uh, the context for what was being discussed. And I think partially it was rooted in sort of the belief of, you know, I know that something else is possible because I've seen other things. Uh, and I think that's that's always been useful for me in, as far as why I enjoy uh, reading about other people's experiences is that even if I haven't experienced them, they help they help center on on the, what are the things that are possible. And, and that and that I think is the the, the main uh, gist for me about this this two part series is um, how do we tell stories such that other people can envision the future being different than it is now? Um, because it's it's uh, it, it's actually our belief that that uh, that there's a possible things that we could start doing um, that would make a big difference. I, I'm, one of the things in, in the show notes, um, I'm a link to a article that we just did a um, 
book club review of a discussion group review of it's um, on Friday, uh, so just a couple days ago. And it was a, an article called Three Perspectives on Future, uh, Future Search. And Future Search is a very particular methodology uh, that these uh, group of people have put together where they do a, uh, a two and a half day uh, discussion session with um, a bunch of different people. They kind of, if you have a problem you're going to solve, you bring the whole system in the room and then you go through a, a an agenda where you go through, you talk, look together at your past, present, future, discover, discover common ground, and then make action plans. And so each of these are essentially half-day discussions. And the, the connection between that future search and what we're describing here is it reminds me very much of your hammer and tong story, which is people start off by building empathy for each other, uh, uh, learning exactly what it was that other people have experienced, and the idea that we're going to use other people's experiences as uh, uh, real data that we're going to ground uh, our actions in in the future. And so collecting all of our stories together and then getting to the point where we're actually at the point of making action plans. And what I liked about it in the article is it says, we're not, uh, we're, we're going to be taking action and it's all based on the skills and knowledge we already have. <laughs> we're we're going to start, you know, in, in the quote here is, no one's asked to do anything they do not already know how to do and wish to do. And, and that's, I think, a really powerful concept that this is not something that we'll be able to improve things in the future. You're tapping into like, what are the things we can do right now today? And in terms of um, uh, stories from the past, this reminded me a lot of how you would run the root cause analysis and you would come out of there with, um, you know, right, what are the things we can do in the very short term that will make a difference? Absolutely. And that was a, a way of identifying something using people's direct experience and their knowledge and, and doing things that were comfortable to really effect very substantial cultural change. And I remember some of those root cause analyses really changed every, every person at our company and how they worked. But it was quite small steps that allowed us to get there. Uh, I'll just throw in one other uh, resource that I think uh, I, I, others may find very helpful. Uh, another question that this same person asked me was, how, how can I learn to tell stories better? You're telling me, Squirrel, I need to be a, a compelling storyteller, both stories of the future and stories of the past. How do I do that? And a concrete thing that people can try is learning from very good storytellers at Pixar, uh, the folks who make the amazing animated movies. They're kind of good at telling stories. That's one of their <laughs> crucial things. And they've actually made a course, which we'll link to in the show notes, uh, which is all about how to tell stories. And I've connected some of my clients to that, and, and they've found it very helpful for learning the mechanics. The, the crucial thing you have to do before you learn the mechanics, though, is believe that you can make the change and believe that, um, that, that uh, something better is possible. And then you have the mechanics, both of the future search process that you're describing, Jeffrey, and the um, storytelling that, that you can do in order to be inspiring. I think if our, uh, if our listeners were uh, to combine those two, they would have something very powerful, no matter what position they're in in the company, whether they're CEO or someone who just started last week. I've seen people use those kinds of tools to make very substantial changes very effectively. That's right. And so I, I, that's, that's great. I didn't know about that uh, Pixar course. I'm going to actually go in uh, and, and uh, look into it myself because I would love to hear their, uh, their view. I think they're definitely are masterful storytellers. Um, I, I would love to hear 
uh, from some of our listeners if they've uh, been able to uh, be inspired by this and what kind of stories have they told? Uh, how have they been able to, to build action? Um, you and I have shared some of our uh, experiences of doing that. Uh, we'd love to hear about people applying that. Excellent. Uh, you can find us at agileconversations.com, free videos, uh, material from us, a mailing list to join, and of course our email address and Twitter and every other way that you can get in touch with us. So we'd love to hear from you there. We always love listener questions. They're one of our best lead-ins to an interesting podcast. And speaking of an interesting podcast, we'll be back again next Wednesday with something else even more exciting. Excellent. I'll see you then, Jeffrey. Thanks. Thanks, Laura.